to Astrology Bites. This is your host, Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of Astrology for Real Life, a no BS guide for the astro curious. I'm also your host for this podcast series. If you're curious about astrology, you are definitely in the right place. This is episode 152 of Astrology Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on astrology. My goal is to make astrology feel simple, clear, fun, and totally applicable to your everyday life. Okay, let's get into today's episode. So today we're talking about planets on the first, and my special guest is Tara All. Hello, Tara. Hey, Teresa. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Well, you have a new book that just is like coming out like right as we speak, and we will be talking about that in a moment too. And so, uh, of course, I've been stalking you online, and I see that you do evolutionary astrology. So before we even start talking about planets in the first, can you kind of explain what evolutionary astrology is for to my audience? Yeah, absolutely. Evolutionary astrology uh, is, uh, I would say, the thing that sets it aside from other types of astrology is we really look at the soul's path, right? So when we're looking at the chart, we're working with past lives and past intentions for soul growth and what you might call karma, which is just a combination of our experiences in the past and then moving into the soul's intention to grow in the current lifetime. So it's a, it's deep. It's a deep dive into our soul's intentions, which is why why I love it so much. Mm. Okay, and so uh, we're ta- today talking about um, planets on the first. So what do you mean about planets on the first? What, what are we talking about here? Well, so there's a couple of ways to talk about this, Teresa. One, there's a, the technical way, and by the way, this isn't new. Um, and if you work with like a astrology program like Solar Fire, you can run a chart putting a planet on the first. And technically, it just means that let, let's say you and I are into Venus right now and we want to bring out more of our Venusian stuff. Uh, maybe we're working working with the Empress card. You and I both like tarot. So let's just say we're into all that stuff and we want to bring out Venus. Essentially, you take Venus in your birth chart and you rotate it to the ascendant. And so it becomes like the, like the focalizing crystal, if you will, of your rising um, energy. That's the technical part. The technical part I do work with but you don't need anything technical. You don't need a program. All you need to do is choose a planet first. And then it's really all about setting the intention to see every moment, right? To approach life as, for example, Venus, right? What would my, how would my Venus respond to this? What would my Venus see in this situation? What would Venus do? And so I am, I am definitely like, I have a lot of Gemini energy in my chart. So I'm into all the brainy stuff, Yeah, yeah. but I want it to be practical and experiential. So for me, I call planets on the first astrology as a living meditation, because the way I work with it is it's about how do I actually bring that into my life and see, for example, how Venus shows up in me. Yeah. So, okay. I want to make sure that I really understand this too. So I've got Venus and cancer and in my natal chart, it sits in my ninth house. I'm a Libra rising. So we would then be looking at my chart, like Venus and cancer is now my ascendant. And then looking at the chart from that lens. Yes. Ah, interesting. And so if I'm, and you're saying about now we get to choose to work with something. So it's not like, it's not like it's just, here's your chart and that's it. And boom. If we get to choose that, um, I mean, why would we choose a planet? You know, what is your advice on that? Well, so I started this 
One of my mentors recommended this to me probably six years ago when I was struggling with being stuck in my head too much with astrology. And he said, try this technique. And so what I've been doing now for the past six years on my birthday, I choose a planet first. Now for me, so here's the thing, you can be prescriptive. You can look at your chart and say, okay, you know, like an evolutionary astrology, maybe it is the planet that rules your North node. Maybe it is a retrograde planet. Maybe it's a planet they have lots of aspects to, so you can tell that it's an important thing for you to develop in this lifetime. But you can also just feel into yourself, right? Where am I at in my life and what do I think I need more of? So for me, the very first time I ever did it, I chose, I have Venus and Cancer too, by the way. I chose uh, Venus first because I, I, I sometimes, and so I sometimes, I have a very Saturn approach sometimes to things. You know, I'm always working, I'm getting stuff done. And I realize I just wanted to be more open to receiving. And I guess some of the more experiencing more of my own pleasure. What do I like? What feels good? And, and a different way of looking at love in my life. So for me, um, that's just what I did. And then that entire year, it's so crazy. Like I would even drive through a town and there'd be like a sign that would say, you know, welcome to Venus, Texas. I was on a road trip, for example, like I have had the, and I have on my website, some of this stuff, if you're interested, but it's when you put your intention, I'll tell you what, man, that archetype will come alive in you. You'll see it in your house. You'll see it in your body. When I was probably all the women will hate this part, but for me, when I chose Venus first, I was very thin. I put on like 25 pounds that year. Like I had like, I was more curvy. So I always say to the extent that you can embody that planet. And when we say planet in astrology, we just mean part of your psyche, that part of you, that part of your you know, self in this lifetime. So for example, my own genetics probably would never allow me to put on a hundred pounds, but to the extent that you can embody more of that energy, even your physical self will respond to it. So yeah. Well, obviously yeah. we have very similar charts because you mentioned all this Gemini energy, Venus and Cancer. <laughs> I've got a slew of planets in Gemini and a whole bunch of planets in Virgo. So uh, mm-hmm. this whole thing, uh, I tend to also be in my head. I'm always working. Uh, I'm very Saturn oriented too. And I could just really picture, okay, maybe I need, well, I don't like the idea of putting on 20 pounds, but well, I, <laughs> everyone <laughs> does it. <laughs> but I do like this idea of, choosing Venus and looking for the signs and really working with that energy. I think that really, in a way, also brings your chart to life. Oh, and and the thing is, like, we can read the best books and listen to, listen to the best podcasts and watch the best videos on astrology. Um, and there's something to be said for learning the basics of the archetypes, but how that archetype moves and lives in you is personal. So, for yes. example, you know, Teresa, like, I needed to gain 20 pounds. That's that that was Venus coming through in a healthy way for me, right? Or but everybody's energy shows up different. So I always say like if you want to know astrology, studying's important. But ask the archetypes when you go to sleep at night. Show Saturn, you know, ask Saturn to show up and show you what that feels like. When you take a walk, look around and look for whatever the energy is. You this year um I'm living Neptune first, which is a whole, yeah, interesting experience. But I mean it when I say I keep doing this. I keep doing this because every year I have a, it's not just a more, more understanding of astrology. I know myself more. I have a new level of depth with a new part of me. It's almost like I can choose if my, I talk about this sometimes, if I was a big house, but I always hang out in the basement, maybe in the kitchen, I now actually can easily go to the attic 
I can go in the backyard. You know, those parts of me are more accessible. Whereas before I could feel where I really only stayed in one spot. And I, I like the agency to be able, because in some moments, Venus serves me better than Saturn, right? In some moments, Neptune serves me better than Venus. Yeah. yeah. And so again, you're developing, you're, you're really living your chart and you're developing more of a, of a personalized, uh, intimate relationship with astrology. And I think that's yeah. really neat. Yeah. So if I then, okay, let's, let's go back to this Venus thing for an example, because <laughs> now this has kind of blown my mind a little bit. So it, let's say I'm going to do Venus this year and Venus now is my ascendant. Do the transits matter too? Or are we just looking at the chart moving with the, the natal chart in this new iteration? So I think anything could apply. Now, what's, um, and I'm going to say this, first of all, I don't have all the technical part figured out. That's like a big disclaimer. I want to just tell you now, right? I'm still learning as I go. Um, and every time I have a meeting or talk about it, someone usually gives me a new idea that I go and explore. So my best answer is I don't know entirely. What I can say is that even when I intuitively choose, like last year, I chose Jupiter first. I then later on ran a solar return chart and Jupiter was like super pronounced in that chart, right? Wow. So I think you will find when you start to look at different angles of sort of where that planet gets activated. Um, and, and for me, like I, I don't pull out my, I don't live by my chart, right? I'm not that type of astrologer. So I, it's not that I don't keep up and look at some of the things, but I am more driven by my intuition. What I find exciting though, is once I'm in it, then to go back and look and see, okay, what, what actually now is happening? How's the sky touching these things? Um, back to the chart though, you know, when you move Venus to the, to the ascendant, keep in mind that that moment in time has never happened. It's an artificial chart, right? It's you manipulating your own chart. So when you move a planet to the first, all the aspects stay the same, right? The planets are still in the same signs. What changes is the houses. And what was fascinating for me was that so I have a I have Pluto square Venus in my chart, right? And when I was living Venus first, the way I experienced that that sort of challenge with relationships or receptivity or even like um, all kinds of kind of I don't know love even emotional feeling stuff, the way Venus first feels about that energy is very different than my normal Aries rising feels about the energy. So that's an example of where the quality shifts. And if you move a planet to the first all of a sudden your other planets are in different houses. So you cut, it's almost like, oh, different parts of my life are now activated by those places. So that's why I would say, you know, the door's open for all of it. Well, yeah, I think it's fascinating, time. really fascinating. And, and again, my wheels, here I am back in that Gemini mode, my wheels are turning and I'm already thinking, <laughs> oh, I got a birthday coming up in a couple of months. Hmm, what am I going to want to play with? Now, one of the things I heard you mention too is about Psyche. So what are some of the facets of the psyche represented by the planets? For example, what about Mars in the chart? What would you say yeah. about that? Yes. And one thing um, before I jump into that, I want to mention that what one thing that helps me get going with this exercise, and you don't have to do it for the whole year, my goodness, you guys, you can do it for a week or a month or never, right? This isn't just because I'm doing it for a whole year. That does not, that does not mean that's how I think it's supposed to work. I just like a little time with stuff. Um but I have a little list of questions and I have some of this stuff for free on my website. I have a list of questions. So for example, if I choose Mercury first, um, those sort of subconscious questions, I want to kind of get more than more conscious. So for example, if I'm Mercury first, Mercury part of the psyche, right, is our perception, how we see things, how we make sense of things, how we think about things, how we communicate. So if you choose Mercury first, 
part of that um, approach to life, the kind of questions, is it interesting, right? Am I into it? Can I learn something from it, right? When you're living Mercury first, those things become more important. You don't want to be bored, mm-hmm. you see? And so, you know, in Venus, and we talked about Venus, but we didn't really talk too much about the function of Venus. And Venus, of course, is in part relationships, part balance, part harmony, part love, also about essential needs and what we value. So one of my best questions for Venus is just, do I like it? Right. Some of us, we forget, we don't check in with life very, life very much and be like, do I like it? Is it yummy? Right. Is there, it is the, um, and, and in particular with Venus, Venus is a very focus on a we. So for example, like you and I doing this podcast together, the Venus first approach would be, are we cooperating? Are we collaborating? Is there, is there room for both of us to be heard and to share and to do something together? Whereas if we were living Mars first, it might be more, is there room for me to do what I want, right? Can I get in there and initiate my agenda? And I don't mean that in any sort of a negative way. I just mean it's a different type of approach. For, for people that are have maybe like low libido or have a hard time getting themselves um, into action or really don't feel very passionate about things, Mars is amazing to live first because Mars is in some ways you know, is there something worth fighting for here? Is there something I really want to go after? Is there room for me um, to do what I want in the sense of, I would say Mars is about our authentic desire, right? And and that sort of spontaneous, instinctual uh, drive that just, I'm going to go get it, right? Mars isn't just, it's funny, right? Venus is about uh, receiving, but Mars goes and gets it, right? Mm-hmm. So if if that's something you're needing, so you can kind of feel into how I'm adding sort of the therapy pieces when I'm working with clients, for example, um, if I recognize one particular function has kind of been sort of pushed by the wayside, this is a good way to bring it out. Saturn, if you are lacking discipline, because Saturn, of course, is the part of us that, you know, wants to be responsible, wants to be accountable, wants to be respected, wants to accomplish something and wants integrity ultimately. And when we say integrity, you know, I always think of that three of wands card in the tarot because integrity is not about doing it the quote unquote right way. It's about your head, heart, and actions being in alignment, right? And that's a that's a Saturnian type thing. So, yeah. And so when you work with a client, I mean, do you look at their chart and say, oh, this is what's missing in the chart? Or do you talk to the client and say, okay, well, you seem to have discipline issues. So let's work with Saturn. I mean, how do you do the prescriptive work? Do you look at the chart first or is this conversation based? Well, I'm always about a conversation, but to be very truthful, when I do talk more just because I'm the person who's looking at the, at the, you know, the information, but it's about a conversation. Um, I like, like I said, there are certain signatures in the chart that I can tell from just from an evolutionary standpoint, that that's, that's a part of the the person or a part of the psyche that they need to reclaim or to reintegrate. But I don't know how much they've done that till I talk to them, right? So if someone's 58 years old and I assume that they've never done their Venus because it's in some you know, position in their chart that shows that it might need some attention, I need to first know where they're at with that. So mm-hmm. many, you know, usually when I, if I'm going to recommend working with the planet first, it's not till the end of the session when I have a good feel and we've already talked about it. And then I might say, Oh my gosh, we've talked about Venus so many times and you're having transits to your Venus and there's progressions happening, you know, of lighting up your Venus. And then I, and then oftentimes I will recommend two things, one living Venus first, but I am, I, I, I link it with the tarot quite often. So I, I many times would say, and working with the Empress is such a great choice and here's why. 
And then one of my favorite things is let's just pull one card at the end. I cannot tell you how many times the card comes out that is personifies exactly what we've been talking about the whole time. It's so nice to hold that image up so someone can see, look, you know, here she is or here it is or, you know. Well, I love that little tarot spin on it too. I mean, this, <laughs> that's so cool. What I love, I love combining tarot and astrology, and this is just so fascinating and interesting, and just again something I've never done. So this really blows my mind. So let me ask you this other question. I've got one more. Well, maybe two more. So have you ever had somebody work, or maybe you've done this? Think oh, I should probably work with this planet but then you're resisting it the entire way. And if there's a bunch of resistance, I mean, what's that about? I don't know if anyone's ever said they were resisted it the whole way. Um, I know some people have started with one and realized that they really want to do a different one. Got it. And I'm all about, man, you should follow your gut. If you start working with one planet and it leads you to another one, who is anybody to tell you which you know direction you should take? Um, that's just not my aim. It, it, Anyway, I think whatever doorway gets you to the next spot that's most helpful, take it. I will say about resistance, though, that it's healthy to feel into it because I know with me living planets first, like with Neptune, I definitely have some resistance to that. Yeah, well, Neptune and, gets kind of a bad rap, too. You know, people think it's all dreamy and uh, no, funky yeah. and spacey. So I think people have a misconception on Neptune. Absolutely. And so that's just part of the thing when you, for, for me, the, the more resistance means there's more juice in it for me, really. Mm -hmm. And so I try to look at the resistance more as what, what is actually underneath that resistance. And here's the most important part. Don't resist the resistance. Like us humans, we always do this, right? We feel resistance or we feel even or we feel some emotion or something we meet, we want to change it. Just like we want to have coffee in the morning to feel different. And by the way, I'm not saying I don't partake in these things. I'm just saying we, 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 we I mean, I do. I'm very well aware of my tendencies, right? I have my afternoon chocolate pretty much every single day. It's as dark as it can get because I know that shifts my mood and I like that feeling. But, but my point is that we, we want to move away from where we are so fast all the time. And, and if we can be a little more comfortable with being uncomfortable and even maybe not even have to call it resistance, just say, Ooh, I'm feeling something here, oftentimes underneath that is it's like a treasure, mm -hmm. right? It's like a treasure. So I, yeah, but, but again, I do mean it when I say sometimes we run down one road and we recognize, Hey, you know, there's a better one. So take the detour. Yeah. yeah follow, I'm all about following the instinct too. I, yeah. I really believe instinct will often lead you exactly where you need to go. Maybe not necessarily where you want to go. You might think it's leading you where you want to go, but oftentimes it takes you where you really, really need to go and do the work. Yeah. So in your opinion, how do you think understanding this technique could really help people? Well, one of my favorite examples is, and it's funny, some of the people who give me feedback on what's happened after they've lived planets first, because sometimes they hear me on a video, I don't even know them, or maybe maybe they... I run into them later and they bring it up. But one woman in particular shared that when she first listened to me speak about it, she went and did a Venus first round. She now has a whole Venus Academy for astrology. It's like her whole thing that she does. So what I would say is that how it can really help you is that when you explore the different parts of you, you really find out what's in there for you. 
And sometimes it's not what you think. Just because, mm-hmm. for example, you're super Saturnian and maybe mercurial on a regular basis, those may be just some of the things that you like, for example, maybe Neptune's your real thing and it's the Mercury and the Saturn that are going to help you do the Neptune. But if you don't dig in and sort of feel into those parts of you, you may, you may never know what's waiting in there. So I look at it almost like a, it's like a big game of discovery. For me, every year it's like, ooh, what's my Jupiter going to, what's it going to show me? What's it going to show up? And what, what does it feel like for me to live that way? If I haven't done it before, I don't know what's available. Yeah. So I have a really silly question now. What if I only want to work with the benefics? What if I'm like, I'm never going to work with Saturn or Mars. I'm only well, going to work with Jupiter and Venus. What do you think about that? Because, you know, of course, that's the first thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to scheme this to my advantage. <laughs> well, so let me say this. In evolutionary astrology, we didn't really call anything benefic. Ah. So so from my perspective, there is, and, and I don't work with, you know, dignities or whatever. I will say that certain energies, we do know they flow more naturally together. So I will say that. But to me, there is nothing better, nothing worse, nothing good, nothing bad. Everything and everything in your chart and everything in your life is exactly what you need to do what you need to do. So from that would be my first statement. Second of all, do what you want. You know, I think this is what I would say. Maybe this is me feeling a little bit like the trickster, but I think if you think you're going to choose just benefics, you're going to find out what those benefics really are. And, and one thing I would say about Jupiter, for example, and I do not, I mean, I'm wearing a Wheel of Fortune shirt today. We've talked about this. So I'm into the opportunities Jupiter brings, right? But you got to be available for them. Good luck can be sitting outside your back door. And if you don't open your back door, you're never going to get that good luck, right? So what we call benefic is, is um, to me, it's not just that something is there, it's that you're available for it. Number two, another example for Jupiter, Jupiter is like a giant flashlight, man. It shines the light on what's ever there. It expands and shines the light on whatever's there. And whether it's a beautiful, wonderful thing you want to have more of, or whether it's something you don't want to see, Jupiter is still expansion of consciousness. So I think, and maybe I'm just hoping, right? But I feel in my gut that that sort of, um, I'm going to work the system this way. I think you you actually find out that maybe you wish you would have chosen Saturn because it would have been an easier, you know, like it would have been an easier experience. I don't know. Because you know what? When the, the year that I live Saturn, and I've actually done two planets at a time, which is something else you can do one year. Um, my partner, I actually went through the list and read them. And I'm like, which one do you think I should do? And a bunch of was like, please don't do more of that. You know, he was like, don't do more of that and not that. Um and then he looked at me, he's like, I think you need more balance. Could you pick two that are sort of, you know, a little bit more opposite? And so I chose Saturn and moon at the same time. And I really thought that Saturn was going to sort of run the show. And that year, what I learned is how much my inner Saturn serves my moon. And it was a really beautiful experience in a way that I had not experienced Saturn before. I didn't realize how much it's funny because you think about moon as being the supportive nurturing part, but in many ways, Saturn in me, and I'm just talking about me, Saturn is in many ways, my foundation, my support system for my moon, you know, if I have a moon in Leo, you know, it, it loves that, but I wouldn't have known to piece that or see that that way. Right. And you can see that for me, Saturn took on a whole new depth and I honor Saturn in a different way based on that experience. Well, I love the idea also of combining two things too, because Mm -hmm. you have, again, balance, you have different flavors, different things you can look out for. And 
Wow. And I'm a Gemini. Of course, we like doing two things at the same time. <laughs> or or so, 10. <laughs> yeah. So again, you have me now going down in my brain. I mean, no one can see me right now, but my brain right now, there's little wheels turning and I'm like, hmm, I have got to test this out. It's fascinating. Uh, I, I think the first thing I will probably start working with will be Venus just because I need more pleasure. I work too much. I'm too Saturn. Two Saturn, two, two Mercury. I need play, so I'm gonna I'm gonna test that out. I love it. And some other simple things too, like I for me, and part of it is I just love doing different things. But like I pick different clothes based on the planet, right? I think okay, well, like Venus would want things to be comfortable, right? Venus wouldn't wear mm. pants that are too tight, and Venus would have you know soft fabric. And I even sometimes like to splurge and get a shirt that has a Venus symbol on it. Or I you know I do the things to really like choose it, and it's added that whole dimension too, right? Even the colors were. Um, you'd be surprised, you guys. Just even look in the mirror. Look at how you look when you choose Saturn first versus when you choose Neptune first. When you choose you know whatever could be Uranus first, whatever the planet is. If you let it show you, it's almost trippy how much it will just, you'll see it because it's all in you. I'm going to say like right. nothing's missing. No, the whole cosmos is in you. And yeah. you know, it's one of the techniques that I like to do when I'm teaching tarot also is to have people embody the card. Just be the fool for a while. Take risks. See what that looks like in your life. And this is really similar to that. It's like huh. really, truly embodying the planet, seeing how it shows up, what signs it gives you. I think that, again, is a great way to get super intimate with your chart and those planets. I love this. Yeah. So you've got a book, Astrology by Moonlight. Yeah. Um, tell me about Astrology by Moonlight, which, by the way, I have already read the book. Mm -hmm. This is also, I do not work with lunar phases. So very fascinating book. I want to know what inspired this. Um, tell me more. Well, <laughs> it almost fits. I think it's like been three years ago. Ashwin uh, Subramanian is the co-author. We we this is our little creation together, and it started between. He's actually a Vedic Indian traditional astrologer, so totally different kind of astrology than I practiced. And he was doing a podcast and different things at the time, and he reached out to me. And I think we did a podcast together. We started having some conversations, and we had this really good conversation about the moon and Mercury. And in Vedic astrology, uh, uh, the moon is mind, mm. right? And we do know that the moon holds our emotional memories, which is very much linked with mind. But that got, got us into this thing, well, okay, so then how do Mercury and the moon interact between the logical mind and the emotional mind? And so we wrote just an article on those two together. And, you know, we just really got into it. And then we decided that could be a chapter to a book. And then we extrapolated it so we have a chapter for the moon in relationship to each of each each of the other planets all the way out to Pluto. So I'm going to say this about the book. There's um there's a lot of basic stuff in there. What I mean by this is that there's basic information on each planet, which is just super useful in general. So if you're new to astrology, you'll find the basics are in there for the planets, and the basic moon phases also are in there. What we did was talk about, and there's eight moon phases, right? We start with a new moon. It waxes till it gets the full moon, and then it wanes all the way down again. Well, there's actually eight phases. We took Those phases are actually the relationship between the sun and the moon. It's funny we call them moon phases. It's really solely lunar phases because it's the relationship between the two. The moon doesn't do anything by itself. 
In fact, the moon is actually sunlight. It reflects sunlight. The moon doesn't even make any light on its own, which again, I find funny that we give the moon so much, so much credit for all this light, you know, not that it doesn't deserve some, but it's about a relationship. But we took that, so that same uh, concept and extrapolate it to phases between the moon and the other planets. And that's where it gets into more complicated astrology. But again, it's a way of looking at the different parts of yourself and how they relate with each other. So, you know, for example, if we're looking at the moon versus Mercury, again, how does my heart and mind align, heart and mind, how am I bridging those two, right? Which one kind of comes out on top, right? Most of us have either we're kind of more logical or more emotional, right? You start to look at sort of the relationship between those two. And if that's in a new phase, they're sort of just getting together for the first time, meaning we're just figuring out how those two parts of ourselves work together. If it's full phase, you know, it's like being in full bloom. They've been together now for half a cycle and they're, and they're really culminating something out there in the world. Or I should say maybe it's more like fruition. If it's the ending, they've been together for a long time. And was probably more reflecting and getting ready to move on to something new. So without overcomplicating that part, it's is really it's about working with the moon as the most personal part of ourselves. The moon truly, it is, I would say, in my, to me, it's the most human, subjective, personal, reactive, spontaneous. It's sort of my my inner sense of this is, you know, this is who I am. And so we take that part of ourselves and look at how, how is that now trying to get on with all the other parts of myself, right? And you can think about this too. Like imagine how that most personal part that's reactive, it's also trying to bridge something with Neptune, for example, which is not personal at all. That's the part of me that's completely, you know, interconnected with, you know, with what we want to call it spirit or source. It's the part of me that doesn't even see delineation or separate categories. So you can see how even those two, am I taking it personally or am I impersonal? All of us are different. I'm sure I, I take things very personally. It will be my, my work probably for this entire lifetime, probably for 80 lifetimes, it feels like. I know other people who are the opposite. You know, They're so good at just looking at the big picture and they almost never look at it as though it's about themselves. So working with these archetypes, just help you kind of feel out where... Phases are all about figuring out where you are in a process. It's not static, mm -hmm. right? Things are always moving. And so knowing where a relationship is, just like think about a relationship with a friend. Think about how different it is when you first meet versus you've been friends for 50 years versus now maybe the relationship is actually ending for some reason. It's like that. The parts of you are like that. Well, I am very fascinated by everything that we've talked about today. Uh, I again, I want to check out the planets on the first, but I think this lunar phases is also just a really excellent way to get deep with your astrology chart. If people want to get a copy of Astrology by Moonlight, where can they get it? It's published by Llewellyn, so pretty much everywhere. You know, you can, it's on the Llewellyn side, it's on the Amazon side, it's in most bookstores. And you can certainly find links to my stuff on my website, which is just uh, terraall.com. T-A-R-A-A-A-L.com. <laughs> my, all my A's. <laughs> yes, you've got a lot of A's. That, that kind of had me confused for a second. So, folks, uh, definitely, if you are interested in working with Tara, make sure you get to her website. Check out what she's all about. Um, you can order the book again online. You can get it wherever books are sold. And don't forget, also, if you have an independent bookstore or a little metaphysical shop in your neighborhood, 
let them know you want this book in stock. Sometimes we've mm. got to call and say, hey, get this book in stock so that they can make sure they have it for you and other people who might be interested. Tara, this has been a delight. Thank you so much for making time to speak mm. with me today. Thanks for having me. It's been super fun. I'm glad you're excited. And I hope that you'll report back and, and let me know how it goes when you try your planets first. I'm going to be taking notes. Believe me, this is like right up my alley. So I'm into it. (laughs) All right, people. Well, that is all for today's episode. And I want to remind you, if you enjoy the show, you can do me a big favor. Get on over to iTunes and leave a kind review. Because that is the best way to help new listeners discover this show. And of course, you know, I appreciate that so much. And for more fun stuff, head over to my website, thetarolady.com. You'll find tons of resources about tarot and astrology, including my free monthly forecasts and horoscopes, and so much more. Again, that's thetarolady.com. I'll see you there. And remember, no matter what's going on in the cosmos today, ultimately, you are in charge of your life. You're in the driver's seat. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change the course. You're the boss. You've got that power. Be kind to yourself and others and make smart decisions. I'll see you in the next episode.